Good evening, everyone in Alberta, Canada, and beyond. It is Wednesday, August 23rd, 2023, and I'm Carrie Lambert, and I welcome to you to an online webinar evening of solutions for a new Alberta brought to you by the Alberta Prosperity Project, also known as APP. APP's purpose is to educate, inspire, and unite all Albertans, businesses, and organizations to protect their prosperity, individual freedoms, rights, and sovereignty by empowering the Alberta government to restructure Alberta's relationship with Canada. Of course, we wouldn't be able to do this without you. And if this is your first time watching, welcome. And I hope that you'll find this information engaging and want to find out more. And if you're a regular APP webinar viewer, thank you for your support. We couldn't do this without you, of course. APP is membership driven with the goal of a million plus members to help steer the political process. We've been asked if you have to be an Albertan to join APP. Uh, actually, no. In fact, we encourage anyone to join, especially if you believe in freedom and are watching what's going on in Alberta and Canada. Memberships are one year for uh, $20, two years for $30, three years for $40, or make a donation at albertaprosperityproject.com. We also have the APP merchandise, such as my amazing shirt, that gets lots of conversations when I walk into a grocery store. Let me tell you that. Uh, we have that at uh, Alberta Prosperity Store. And that's that one there. And here you can see some of the merch that we have available. Um, we also encourage people to register for the petition to establish Alberta's independence. And that page, doo -doo -doo, I gotta just find it there, is this one here. It is Alberta Prosperity Project. Uh, actually, you know what? I'll give you the quick version of this one. This one is bit.ly slash yes, And that gets you there and you can register for the petition. So when we actually do get uh, the petition uh, available or a referendum for it, we already have your contact information, which makes the process a lot faster for us. Now, with that, um, you can also, actually, the other thing I should also notice, you can also vote um, yes to the referendum uh, by texting yes to that really long number. Uh, you can uh, think of it as 1-TA-589-58095-HIP. That's usually the way I think of it is just in little chunks. Uh, 1-825-809-5447. And now with that, I'm just going to close that window there. And, uh, of course, due to the new Canadian censorship laws and uh, unable to show news links and online content, and I always question, are we really news? Well, I'm not really sure. But we do ask you to share, share, share this one going further and maybe get people involved. Of course, getting involved, that's why we're actually doing this, uh, this webinar tonight. Tonight's episode is called How You Can Change the Future of Alberta. And I will be joined by Dr. Dennis Modry, Chief Strategist for APP, and Christopher Scott, the CEO of APP. And of course, this is a live webinar, so we encourage you to ask questions and make comments throughout this presentation. And just put three question marks before your questions so it can be flagged and we can quickly view the questions and comments. So with that, I'm going to bring the boys on, bring Dr. Modry and Mr. Christopher Scott. How are you guys doing tonight? Excellent. I'm doing awesome. How are you, Kerry? I'm doing fine. We uh, we were just a little bit late because Chris was scrambling to get back, and uh, you're not even in front of your computer tonight. What's going on there? Well, here I'll uh, I'll show you. Let me just turn my camera around. <laughs> I, know oh, the, I, I know what the issue is. 
Settings camera facing back. Yeah. That's my there computer is, right now. That's crazy. That's that looks like uh something out of a, a sci-fi. <laughs> Very much so. Yeah, so it's uh I, I'm a nerd. I love computer stuff, and that's kind of I like to tinker with it. So I decided I was gonna build this new computer and then give my old computer to my son Zach so ah. he could also become a nerd. And uh, life is very busy. And I got to the point of taking up my entire living room and coffee table with computer parts and uh, destroying my office. So now I'm using a cell phone to stream from instead of my computer. So that's the story there. Well, you know, we I think one time you ended up using a GoPro in order to log in. So, you know, mm -hmm. you whatever, whatever you possibly can. Right. So. Yep. So tonight, of course, we're, we're talking about uh, what what people can do in Alberta in order to uh, to you know, change the future of Alberta. Of course, that, that's the whole the whole reason why APP is around and, and we want to get a referendum on independence and, and do that. And this came up. This conversation actually originated in an ops meeting that we had on Monday, and it was about uh, a, a certain AGM coming up. And uh, because of that, we thought, you know what, not only is it uh, imperative that people understand what happens at an AGM, but who's involved and how we can actually um, change policy or make, make changes in government. And uh, I think I'm going to start with, uh, with Dennis, and, and maybe he'll, he'll have a couple of comments to make about what, uh, what AGM is coming up and why should everyone get involved. Yeah, thank you, Kerry. Uh, yeah. So um, it's the UCP AGM, and of course, the Alberta Prosperity Society and the project are nonpartisan. So why would we bring up the UCP AGM? So what came to my attention recently was a number of things. Um, and sort of putting it all together, I um, thought that it might be worthwhile having this discussion, which we had at the ops meeting the other day, and um, the essence of it has to do with the fact that um, just a, a brief history, uh, for one thing. One of the concerns that has been expressed by some people is, um, is the UCP fixable? In other words, can it become um, a party that's Alberta first, not Canada first? Yeah. In order to protect our freedoms and our rights and our prosperity. And it came to my attention that um, there are a number of people who are APP members who are also members of constituency association boards for the Wild Rose Independence Party, for TIP, and also for the UCP. But right now, we live in a binary political system. We have the socialists on one side, and we have people who have a brain on the other side. Um, you so, don't mince words, do you, Dennis? No, well, I just want to make it crystal clear. And so, and so um, what, what, came, what came to my attention was uh, resolutions that are going to be uh, voted on at the UCP AGM. Mm -hmm. And there will be more, but these 20 got my attention and they were drafted by um, uh, people who, yes, they are UCP members, but they're all, some of them are also APP members. Mm -hmm. And on the board of directors of the UCP, we have 
APP members that were put into that position at the AGM last year. So the thought occurred to me that um, we have always said from the perspective of the Alberta Prosperity Project is that we're nonpartisan and we're nonprofit. But what we do is we advance ideas, recommended policies and governance that any party can pick up. Mm -hmm. Well, lo and behold, what happened in viewing these policies, they happen to align with what APP is advocating. And in essence, it speaks to integrity and honesty um, uh, that's necessary in government, mm -hmm. as well as being accountable to the grassroots. That's what really got my attention. Mm -hmm. um, and the UCP did something interesting that came to my attention as well is uh, at the UCP Provincial um, Board of Governors, um, they changed the uh, fee for attending the AGM. Last year it was $500 per person to attend the AGM. Well, you know, that precludes most people who are grassroots mm -hmm. from actually attending. And then you just got the elites that, you know, can maybe afford to go. And it got reduced um, at the board level to $199 yeah. and $99 if you're under 25. So that was one thing. But the more important thing was, was the policies that were being proposed that will be voted on. And since they aligned with what APP believes and is advocating, I thought, well, what we should consider then is how do we ensure that those policies are passed? Whether you like the UCP or you don't like the UCP, if you like the policies, then you have an opportunity to have them implemented. And one of the most important ones that came up in this list of 20 policies mm -hmm. was the, uh, the idea that the party, that is the MLAs, have to take into account the policies that are approved at an AGM or at a policy conference. That's never been the case before. Mm -hmm. So, so um, I then understood that there are 2,900 attendees that will, that or there, there's room for 2,900 attendees at the AGM. And uh, as of last week, at the end of the week, there were about 700 people that had already registered. And I thought, well, I wonder if we could get 2,000 APP members to attend. Whether they support the UCP or not is irrelevant. It's the, the issue was, do they support the policies? And mm -hmm. if they support the policies, then they might want to attend the AGM and support them. The second thing is um, that's going to happen at that AGM is, um, to put it in context, at the last AGM, Nine, there are 17 board members at the, at, for the uh, Provincial Board of Governors of the UCP party. And nine were replaced last year at the AGM. And they're all members of APP or Take Back Alberta. So this coming AGM, there's an opportunity to replace another eight, possibly including the president of the party. And so the question then comes up, well, if you go to the AGM, 
as an APP member, not only can you vote for the for the policies, but you could vote for a preferred candidate that supports or is a member of APP. Mm -hmm. So it just seemed like something that should be brought to the attention of our members. And uh, and again, you know, uh, you know, the concern, of course, is uh, and, and I'm going to let Chris speak to that. But, you know, just to emphasize, we are not um, as nonpartisan society and a nonpartisan project. We are not advocating for the UCP. We're not endorsing the UCP. What we're suggesting is that the policies align and and we do support the policies so we can we can endorse the policies, whether they were policies embraced by TIP or WIPA or the Buffalo Party or the Liberal Party of Alberta, doesn't matter. Um, the issue is, is the policies can help move us towards sovereignty. Um, and uh, I think it's a worthwhile uh, consideration. But but I'd like to sort of throw it open to Chris because because I think I don't want I don't want people who are members of APP that think we're a shell for the UCP. We are absolutely not. Uh, but I'd like Chris to address that. Well, I guess that's me. That is you. <laughs> well, uh, first of all, Dennis, I want to point out that uh, what you've outlined there. Um, that this is actually this could be a pivotal moment for this province mm -hmm. um one of the things that i've had to ask myself over the past few years is what is it that i want what do i want to see for this province what do i, what do I want to see from this country and how do we get there and i want to see this province free and prosperous right that's my my main goal. I don't want to see chains on businesses like, like mine had. I don't want to see pastors in jail. I don't want to see masks on children. Um, I don't want to see bureaucrats hijacking the democratic process with no evidence. Those are all things that I want to deal with. And then if once, once you answer the question of what is it that you want and where do you want to go, you have to, then you have to decide how are you going to get there? Now, over the last three or four years, there have been lots of people who have given me lots of ideas and tried to, you know, bring me to their side or, or at, at times even use me to, to get attention for their cause, which is fine, because if the cause is worthy, then why wouldn't we do that? Now we find ourselves in a strange situation uh, of which I probably am one of the people that find it the strangest. And the reason for that is... I was uh, I was really at odds with the government, with the government of this province, with the United Conservative Party under the leadership of Jason Kenney. Um, I had a government and a and a premier who was were calling me names, like literally calling me a scofflaw or a rebel or all sorts of other interesting uh, <laughs> things. They were they were calling me and people like me. They were directing. Uh, ex extra government organizations to persecute me, to stop me, to shut me up. And so me, like myself, maybe more than a lot of Albertans, uh, was really put off with this governing party. So now, as I watch what's occurred, it's it's almost difficult for me even to hear you say those words, Dennis, even though I know they're 
that's the truth. I know, I know that's what we have to do. And the reason for that is because I still have some leftover anger from what happened to me in the past. Yeah. Um, but as a, as a very wise philosopher on a Disney movie once said, it's in the past. <laughs> so now I, I want a free and prosperous Alberta. How are we going to get there? I want immediate changes that are going to protect Albertans. How do we get there? Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that we have a government who is unable to lock us down and restrict us as they did over the last couple of years. How do we get there? Well, with legislation. It's not going to be by uh, pounding our fists and screaming that um, somebody did something in the past. It's going to be by putting legislation forward that actually protects us. And for those of you watching, especially those of you who are angry at me for saying you should get involved and vote to make sure this policy gets on the table and becomes legislation. You need to read it. You really need to read it. Because Dennis was talking about how some of this policy um, ensures a grassroots movement. That's important. But what really jumped out to me was some of the policies for proposed legislation that forces the provincial government to acknowledge our constitutional right um, to have the government prove that their infringements on our rights and freedoms are necessary. So what's happened is we've gone from a place where we have a constitution, a charter of rights and freedoms, which, by the way, are good documents at face value. It's not the document we have a problem with these days. It's interpretation. And what I mean mean by that is the constitution actually says that the government has to provide, they have to justify their infringements on our rights. For example, uh, Carrie and I get in a fight. Carrie stabs me in the neck. I die. Kerry has to have his mobility rights uh, removed because he killed somebody, right? That's a, that is a justifiable infringement on a right that Kerry has right now. Now, if we're talking about uh, our right to do business or our right to exist or our right to have Christmas dinner with our family or our right to hold our dying mother's hand as she passes... If the government or a bureaucrat is going to take those rights away, the Constitution demands that they justify it. But what's happened is the courts are saying, well, Mr. Scott or, or um, you know, uh, Mr. Bhattacharya, I don't care that you have 80 experts that are willing to testify that what the government is doing to handle this pandemic is wrong. Um, I'm not a scientist as a judge, so I'm going to defer to the expert to tell me... Uh, Tell me, tell me these, or give me the evidence. In our case in Alberta, the expert was Dina Hinshaw, the same bureaucrat that was making the restrictions. So the judge said, I'm going to defer to the expert, and the expert is the bureaucrat who took our rights away. How dangerous is that? That's a complete bastardization of the democratic process. It's a loophole that allows the unelected, unaccountable bureaucrat to take your rights away. And that can't happen. One of the policies... I'm spending a long time talking about this because I'm really passionate about this. One of the policies that uh, um, uh, has been proposed is that our judges in Alberta are not allowed to take judicial notice and forego the evidence because the expert, i.e. the CMOH, says so. And it should be like that anyway. We should never give that much power to one person, ever, especially an unelected representative. So that policy 
in itself would have changed the world in this province over the last three years. So for everyone out there watching, I want you to understand the significance of that. And if you're one of the people that say, I want to make things better, I'm speaking out and not complying and standing up because I want to make this province better. I kept my business open. I didn't wear a mask. I refused to comply with all the BS because I want to make a change. Here's your opportunity to make a change. Yeah. Now, there are people out there. I can actually hear it. The screaming is so loud from a, a, a small group of people, um, some, of, some of whom used to be APP uh, members and advocates, are screaming that we can't have anything to do with the government because of things that happened in the past. And my question is, if we have a choice between making immediate and lasting changes to policy and legislation in this province, taking back our freedoms, taking mm -hmm. back our province, and, and, and ensuring we have the protections that we're supposed to have, why wouldn't we do it? And if you refuse to do it, and you say the only, and, and instead you tell people that they have to follow a certain person or a certain group in order to change something 15 years in the future, what is it that you're really after? If you're unwilling to take immediate action to fix things or try to fix things in this province by working with the legislators that we currently have who hold the key to making laws what is it that you're truly after are you after a political position are you after some sort of a crusade to promote your religion and if so you know that's fine but be honest with it so as the ceo of the alberta prosperity project i had a very difficult and heavy decision to make and the decision uh, was do we encourage people to participate in this process and risk being labeled as shills or uh, or corrupt or whatever, as my friend, Dr. Modri was uh, when we held the UCP leadership forum? And do I, do I risk that in my pursuit of a better Alberta, um, pursuing truth, by the way, mm -hmm. or do we fold to the ramblings and naysaying of a group of people who are interested in nothing other than pursuing their own causes. Mm -hmm. And the answer, of course, was I pursue the truth and I direct this organization and I lead this organization to prosperity the way we can do it right now. And so as the, as the CEO, my vision for this project is that we take any steps reasonably possible in order to achieve our vision and our mission. And this is one of them. And this is a big one, a very, very big one. Um, I, I can't stress that enough. You, you, you really need to read those, those, those policy resolutions. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, do we, I, do we have time to go through a handful of them in this webinar? It's a pretty long document. We certainly can. I know uh, Dennis had sent out uh, an email blast, I guess, yesterday. Uh, to anybody that was an APP member should have received an email with the link to the uh, proposed policies, as well as the, the ones that uh, I just had up, the Policy and Governments Committee report. Um, and, and I just sent a message off to Walter, who's also on our ops meeting and who's usually in the background here, but he's unable to make it. But I wanted to see whether or not they were actually posted up on the website for people that may not be members yet but still want to be able to see that. So if they're not, I'm pretty sure Walter will put them up by the end of today, tonight. 
and so, uh, and we'll we'll definitely have that link available. Speaking me, of that, yeah, let me just make one. Go, comment. go ahead, Dennis. Chris, yeah. I just want to make one comment. Um, you know, the 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 resolutions. You're correct. There's that one resolution that would prevent what has happened to us from ever happening again. Yeah. But there's another um, way to get there as well, and that is to eliminate section one of the charter. Um, and I'll just read it very quickly because it's just three lines. The Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in it subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by laws can be as can be demonstrably demonstrate can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. That is the clause um, in the Charter of Rights and Freedoms that was perturbated by the federal government. Mm -hmm. And you'll recall that when Brian um, uh, Peckford, Brian Peckford um, you know, was one of the signatories of this, he never intended that clause to restrict our individual freedoms and rights, yeah. except yeah. in the case of something like a war in which our country was, uh, we were at the risk of losing our country. Mm -hmm. So to have, to use that clause to restrict our freedoms and rights um, because of, of a, of a COVID-19 um, virus, a pan, a, presumably a pandemic, that was completely wrong. Yeah. And the simple solution to that is, uh, is either one, you state specifically uh, when you can invoke that, such as if there's a war, or two, even better, you just you just remove it. Because if there was a war and our country was at risk of being, you know, lost, as it were, well, you can be sure that you know all able-bodied citizens who were able to fight would fight for it. That's so you true. really don't even need that clause. I just wanted to make that point. But, but what Chris is saying with that one resolution that he referred to, this is something that can be done in Alberta yeah. and could conceivably um, supersede uh, the federal government in, in, in this respect. Mm -hmm. so in other words, our legislature could, could do that. And I'm excited about it. I think it's a, a very worthwhile uh, thing to consider. Mm. Absolutely. And I'll just add to that. You're, you're right, Dennis, it could prevent this stuff, but only for a time, only for a, a, a certain amount of time. Because, you know, if we want to remove Section 1 out of the, con out of the Constitution, uh, that requires opening the Constitution. And we know that that's a very, very difficult, almost insurmountable uh, um, thing to do. Yeah. The one thing that would assist us in doing that, however, is some leverage as Albertans yeah. and... Fortunately, we have an idea as to what kind of leverage we could use, and that would be a successful referendum on independence. Mm -hmm. That could um, trigger the federal government, along with the other provinces, to open the Constitution for amendments. However, I'm going to get back to what I said, that this would help for a time. The reason I say that is because we're at this weird stage where the federal, we're, we're, we're watching the federal government very blatantly try to usurp 
our sovereignty as as a province, which is outlined in the Constitution, by the way, folks, if you don't know that, if you don't know what sovereign jurisdictions the provinces have, you need to know that and you need to read it. It's a very short read, take you about an hour, um, and, and maybe Dennis will touch on this later, but in most areas, in most portfolios, the provinces have sovereign jurisdiction to govern themselves and chart their own course. Anyhow, the federal government right now is trying to use their jurisdiction to infringe on ours. For example, um, you may be aware that recently, well, within the last 10 years, Alberta, under the leadership of Jason Kenney, uh, had a reference case brought before the Supreme Court arguing about the carbon tax. Mm -hmm. Now, what the provincial government and Jason Kenney were saying at the time was, hey, this isn't constitutional because Alberta has constitutional sovereign jurisdiction to develop, extract, and exploit our natural resources as we see fit. And the federal government cannot interfere in that with no more pipeline bills, with emissions caps, with all of these leave it in the ground scenarios. So we took it to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruling, I didn't know this until our Premier Daniel Smith told me in a conversation, our provincial government did not even dispute the facts. So the Supreme Court said, because neither side, the federal government nor the provincial government is disputing the facts of climate change, the court takes judicial notice that climate change is a huge threat to this province, country and world. Therefore, the federal government has jurisdiction because they're responsible for climate and environment. Goodbye, Alberta jurisdiction over our resources. And it gets worse, folks. Now, Dr. Teresa Tam, who is the federal, uh, like the federal CMOH, the federal top doctor, mm -hmm. she has equated climate uh, health with climate change. She has said that climate change is the single most devastating impact on our health. Well, did you catch that? Climate change is the most... Uh, devastating impact to our health. The I think federal I government caught, has. I caught climate me. change. I caught climate change last week. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, I did We're, as well. And, and, and of course, Chris, uh, paying more taxes will change the climate. Of course, it will. It does. So, so you see what's happening here. The federal government is saying, okay, well, we want our fingers in your matters of health uh, provinces, but yeah. we don't have that jurisdiction because the constitution says the provinces administer their own health. The federal government is um is compelled by the constitution to provide funding for infrastructure for health the provinces administer so now the federal government is saying well this is involving climate so we're going to get our fingers in this they tried to bribe our province with billions of dollars to get our premier to agree to a digital yeah. health pass yeah yeah so this is the problem what we're, what we're proposing to fix policy, or not fix policy, but amend policy or policy resolutions to stop some of these things from happening will only last a short time until the federal government um, uses their, their loopholes and their conflation of different ideas to infringe our rights as a province. So we still need to pursue a referendum, but in the, in the short term, we have, we have a chance to actually fix some things. And not only would we fix some things, but this would also open people's eyes as the federal government continues to uh, try and strip away our jurisdiction as a province, and they will, and that will bring more people on board with the idea of a referendum. Well, the other thing to add to that, Chris, with, to those important points that you made is passing those resolutions tells Premier Smith and the MLAs is this is what the uh, grassroots wants. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. 
and they're supposed to represent the grassroots and we're the grassroots. So it informs them um, and it helps stiffen their spine to fight against what the federal government is doing to us. Yes. And, um, and I think that's another reason that it, you know, it's very important. Of course, the definitive way to empower our provincial government is with that referendum on secession, which, which as you guys know, doesn't mean we leave Canada, but um, we may if we don't get what we want. Um, it solves the problem of the imbalance in power between the federal and provincial governments. And it's the only way to do it. So, mm -hmm. but, but, but this is an important interim step. This informs the premier and the MLAs that this is what the grassroots conservatives want. Mm -hmm. And that's why it's, I think it's really, really important for APP members to show up um, and and vote in this vote for these resolutions can you imagine if we had 2000 of the 2900 uh members at the agm were all app members or at least on the same page like we would definitely be able to influence that well there's there there's there's no question and by the way there's a timeline too yeah um if if you can you know there's already 700 uh, registrants so i'm told um and uh <clears throat> uh, September the 15th is the deadline for the $199 That's um, right. uh, fee. And if you're under 25, it's only 99. And by the way, there's another interesting thing that's coming up. And, yeah. um, uh, and there's a very, very, very prominent APP member, a young person that you folks know um, that's going to be at that AGM. Uh, because the future is with younger people, right? I mean, I'm old, you guys are young, but there are younger people yet, those under under 30, for example. That's right. Well, yeah. those individuals are going to be the future. Yeah. And so the person that we know really well is going to be one of the uh, one of the individuals who's an who has expressed an interest in leading the development of the youth movement within within the UCP. I don't want anybody to think that, again, I'm advocating for the UCP. What I'm advocating for by sharing that piece of information with you is that until such time as we get out from under a binary system, we have to work with what we have. And when the UCP will adopt policies that we want, when the youth will adopt policies that APP is advocating, and we have leadership of the youth movement that embraces those Alberta Prosperity Project um, policies, well, you, you, you see how we build this, how it's possible for us to build this moving forward. Mm -hmm. So I think it's an important, it's an important consideration. Yeah. So that brings up a good point, Dennis. Uh, the, the cost to attend the AGM is $199, yeah. which is unless, leaps and bounds better than the $500 it was last year. Absolutely, yeah. unless unless you're like myself who identifies as being under 25. So I'm gonna- yeah. oh, So do I, but yeah, that never works for me. They call the cops when I say that. So here, here's what, I'm, what I wanna say. There's people who are concerned that, oh, well, you know, Chris and Dennis are just trying to fill the UCP coffers. Yeah. Elections Alberta, as far as I know, prohibits political parties from turning a profit on their AGMs. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's uh, according to the information I had last year when we had there was an AGM. Um, that's the case. Now, I'm not saying that this system is perfect. I'm not saying that there's not 
cases where maybe a contract will be given to a friend and they make a bunch of money. I'm not saying that at all. But what I'm saying is the idea that the 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 idea that I'm proposing people participate in this policy discussion um, is simply to move a bunch of money to a political party is absolutely ridiculous. And I would say you need to really question the people who are spinning that narrative, if that's something you're hearing, folks. Because at, as people are saying those things about me and Dr. Modri, um, they're pursuing political agendas of their own and asking people to support it. So what you're seeing in in many cases is the exact same thing that's happening uh, with the binary political parties, which is the UCP and the NDP that we did in the last election. You saw the NDP do nothing but trash all other parties. Basically, be, I'm assuming it's because they have nothing to offer and they're just saying, well, these guys are so bad, you, you can't vote for them. You have to vote for us because they're so much worse. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the same thing right now. You're seeing people literally persecuting me because I'm saying we have a, an option right now to make some changes. And they're telling you that I'm some sort of a, a paid show, which I'm not. I'm still broke, by the way. <laughs> and instead, you have to support them. It's the same type of tactics that the politicians used in the last Lord knows how many elections. Don't fall for it. Ask yourself, what, what's going to serve you and your province more? Is, is it going to serve you better to simply turn your back on the democratic process and, and scream from the sidelines and not get anything done or actually participate and change things for the better? And, you know, we're, we're seeing some changes happen. No, things aren't perfect. No, it's not all happening overnight. And, you know, I'm, I'm the last one that wants to admit that I was wrong when I said nothing could be fixed. But there's small changes happening. And those small changes, if they keep happening, they amount to a very big change. And that big change, you know, it's not going to happen if we if we don't stay involved. So you need to really question why people are trying to steer you away from the democratic process. And what's the end goal there of these so-called non-politicians that are asking for your support? Yeah. I wanted to bring up a couple of comments, if I can, right now, just because they're topical. Um, note the deadline for the early bird is uh, September 15th, and that's for the $199 and the $99. Um, lots of comments about um, something like this. Some communities are arranging buses to take a group down and back. That, that's So that, is the other side. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, too. Yeah, maybe actually, maybe that's exactly what they were talking about here, too. Uh, and supporting the UCP will ultimately help defeat the Liberals. Uh, obviously, just by doing uh, the uh, the policies. Um, and then there was a couple of questions that were related to this. Uh, would any of you, any of us, I guess, choose to run for any board positions or actually anybody that's currently online would? And I know Sonia had said, I'm running for the UCP board as well, which is great. Thank you, Sonia, for stepping up. And uh, Ellie says, last year, nine seats were up. We took all nine. If we all show up, we could take back, uh, take all eight plus the president. It's time for grassroots to take it back. Show up. Bingo. This is what we've been saying, like, all the way through my involvement with uh, APP has always been get involved. And uh, what a better time to be doing it. You know, we're getting into the fall. Things are, uh, kids are going back to school, et cetera. It's getting cooler. 
Um, I think it's time that people, you know, they've had their summer uh, and uh, let's see if we can make let's a get to work. prosperous fall and winter because it certainly doesn't sound like winter is going along all that well. Uh, <laughs> they're already talking about masking mandates and stuff down in the States and uh, universities have started and uh, there's a couple there that have already implemented masks. So it's yeah. absolutely, absolutely yeah. not. Yeah. You know, um, it doesn't matter how old or young you are, you can always learn something. And, uh, and I learned something from David Parker and I didn't, I didn't really realize this. Um, but do you realize that the dilemma that we're in right now uh, is as a consequence of the fact that only 2% of the Canadian public yeah. are members of a party. That's, that's that's sad. That is actually really sad. It's yeah. unbel it's unbelievable. Uh, in 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 a way, that's a failure of democracy because two percent of the population who's a, who who are members of a party, and if you know if one percent federally, for example, or one point two percent supports the NDP and another point eight percent support the Conservatives, yeah. well, then the NDP uh, and the Liberals are going to uh, hold sway in this dem democratic process. Yeah. And I think it's, 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 you know, as David points out, he says, the reason we're in the dilemma that we are is, is because we don't get involved. It's our fault mm -hmm. uh, in a way. And, and that's so true. And so that rings a bell for me about these resolutions. We have an opportunity to get these resolutions and it's a step. It's an important step, I think, uh, to help us here in Alberta. And I've always said, if we save Alberta, that's one thing, but we may save the rest of Canada as a corollary to that. So I think it's really important to, uh, to, uh, to attend. And I'll say it, you know, from the rooftops, we're nonpartisan, mm -hmm. but there is no other there is no other political pathway for us to have influence other than through um, changing the UCP in a way in which the Board of Governors and the MLAs adopt the policies that APP is recommending. There really is no other way. Let's talk about alternatives for a second, because Dennis, you mentioned two, oh, less than 2% or something like that of Canadians are members of political parties. Yeah. Um, something like 30% of Canadians vote, 30 to 40% around there. Yeah. It's really pathetic. It's absolutely pathetic that um, the numbers are that low. Yeah. Now, there is a reason for that. Um, I would say the major, the, the, the biggest reason for voter apathy is that we live very comfortable lives or we did live very comfortable lives in this country and in this province. We've always been under the impression that we live in a free country, you know, we can be prosperous, you know, we get taxed too much, but whatever, we can handle it because the potholes got fixed in the road. But for the most part, comfort leads to apathy, right? Hmm. You know, you're sitting on beach in Mexico sipping, what are those things that are, what are those things yeah. that give you Monsuma's revenge? Uh, pina coladas? Yeah. Drinking pina coladas all day, and the only time you get up is when your tummy starts grumbling because, as I found out in my trip to Mexico, coconut juice is a laxative. But that's the major reason why people don't vote, not because the pina coladas, it's because they're comfortable and they don't want to just, they don't want it, they don't feel like they need to. The second reason, and I would say this is not far behind, is that they've been convinced that their vote doesn't matter. Yeah. How many times, folks, have you heard things like, 
Oh, it's selections, not elections. Oh, it's all rigged anyway. Oh, it's already been decided. Canada is not a country, so why vote? Let me ask you something. Let's take the last one, for instance. For the folks that say Canada is not a country, we don't have a constitution, it's never been ratif ratified. What is your alternative? Yeah. What is the alternative? What is it that you truly want to accomplish? And if that's, if that's your statement, how does that statement turn into a solution that's going to better the world around you? What is the solution? What's the path you want to take? If you say that your vote doesn't matter and it's a selection, not election, what is your alternative? What's the path you're going to take that is going to get you and your neighbors and your friends and your family to prosperity? So I want to hear it. I, I actually really want to hear it because, you know, we're APP is about solutions. Alberta Prosperity Project is about solutions for a better Alberta. That's what we're about. And if any of those statements um held any merit and and had a solution in them i'm all ears but as far as i've seen there is no solution there is however a solution if you stop allowing other people to convince you that your voice and your vote doesn't matter mm -hmm. if if you don't believe that elections are legitimate and there's going to be voter uh, voter fraud go there and bring 50 people with you and watch what's going on if you uh, think that your your vote doesn't matter, go to the AGM and vote on policy with 2,000 other like-minded Albertans and watch your voice matter. David Parker, um, you know, he he's rubbed me the wrong way at, at times. Uh, our personalities clash. However, one thing he has said will never, ever leave me, and that is if you bring enough people, you will win. In a democracy... If you bring enough people, you'll win. And it's and that's the way it is. The other side understands this. They're very cohesive. They're very unified. They bring a lot of people. Jason Kenney was busing voters into AGMs um, his entire tenure, and it worked. He won. Now the tables are turned, and we are bringing the numbers, and we can make these changes. So don't let anyone else convince you that you shouldn't participate in democracy. Let me put it in sharp focus. Um, at our ops meeting the other day, I said, <clears throat> in the recent provincial election, if you took six or seven ridings in Calgary, I made the comment that, but for 1,300 votes, uh, we would be having an NDP government right now. Yeah. So I stand corrected. It was closer to 2,600. Mm. But just think about that. You know, we have 4.4 million people living in the province, um, roughly 3.4 or uh, between 2.8 and 3.4 eligible voters. But 2,600 people made the difference between an NDP government and a Unreal. US government. That's how close it was. And that's why it's so darn important for people to get off their butt and get involved. And it doesn't take much. Um, yes, it's a little bit of capital, but get there and vote for those resolutions and vote for those preferred candidates that support APP uh, values and uh, policies. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, we shouldn't be. Why are people getting angry when politicians start to get in front of our parade? You know, Dennis, we, we talked about this. We've actually talked about this at length. That um, that, that's what we're asking. We're, we're, we're creating this movement so politicians start to speak our language, um, put our policies forth and get in front of our parade. You know, and, and when when it started happening, and this started happening right around the leadership debate last year, yes. there were people who were actually angry about it. I remember 
um, one of our our friends, Dennis, said to me that the worst thing that ever happened to to APP and to the freedom movement was Jason Kenney resigning. Now, I had to stop and ask myself what that statement meant, because Jason Kenney resigning, in my opinion, was a win because he was a tyrant and he needed to go. We needed a better leadership that was willing to stand up for the people of Alberta. Now, if that occurs and it's considered to be a bad thing by somebody who who um, says that they want a better Alberta, what is it that they actually want? They actually, maybe they want things to be bad in this province. So people move towards them and their platform because everything else is so much worse. You know, and these, we're seeing this more and more and more these days as we make positive changes, as we see positive changes occurring around us, oftentimes we're so blinded by anger and rage about things that happened in the past that we fail to see the future that could be right in front of us if only we would pursue the solution. Right. Well, so we need, we need to keep building on our successes. Yes. You know? So when when, you know, 20 or 30 policies are passed at the next AGM that align with what we want and we replace the balance of the board with people that support um, APP and TBA and take back our freedoms and and, yeah. and that sort of thing. That's a, that, that those are huge wins. It is those huge massive wins for us. It is. It is, and I'm. It helps sets the. It really helps us set the stage, for that successful petition to force the referendum. Absolutely, and I, I mentioned that uh, David and I. David has rubbed me the wrong way a couple times, and and likewise I have with him as well. So I'll just share a quick story. So I used to speak at a lot of TBA events when they first got rolling, and I was watching this movement happen of getting people politically engaged again and actually getting them out in numbers to vote. I thought, wow, this is this is amazing. So I spoke at a lot of the events and I always, always spoke about the importance of getting involved, using your voice, standing up for yourself and your neighbors and your friends. And I always spoke about the, the need for a referendum on independence. Now, in one particular TBA meeting, I was there. Uh, uh, I wasn't late, believe it or not. I know Carrie's going to have a heart attack now. Uh, but I wasn't late. David was late. And we were had the group and I were having a conversation about uh, independence and why we need to go there and how we need to support the independence movement. And and at the time, David was saying, you know, we, we can't think about that right now. We've got an election coming up. We've got we to gotta ensure a conservative victory because if we get an NDP government, it's going to be horrible. And my thing was, yeah, that's true. But if we don't focus on this independence movement and get this referendum on the table, all of the stuff we do now is going to be for naught because we won't have a chance to do it. Anyway, we were both right in our own way, but it caused some friction between us. In the end, and looking back, um, I'm able to say that we were both right in our statements, but at that particular time, there wasn't uh, the amount of synergy in our paths to collaborate. And so I stopped speaking at TBA meetings and I, I started doing more with Alberta Prosperity Project and actually the Independence Party of, uh, of Alberta at that moment as well. Hmm. So... Now we're in a position where we're watching Take Back Alberta uh, motivate tens of thousands of Alberta to become involved in the democratic process. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, we are past the election and we can focus on more longer term solutions. And, you know, Take Back Alberta, uh, they'll, they'll tell you that they want to see they want to see an, an, uh, a referendum, referendum on independence in Alberta at the right time because they know we need it as well. So. 
we have an opportunity to work with Take Back Alberta to accomplish these goals because in the end, we all want the same thing. We're just taking a different path. But as it turns out, our paths are supporting each other. Mm -hmm. David's path of, of getting people to show up in numbers is supporting our path of putting forth this policy because if the people don't show up, the policies don't pass. Um, we're we're supporting Take Back Alberta because the Alberta Prosperity Project is somewhat of a think tank, and we're 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 building the framework for what a new Alberta would look like, right? So those policies are what the TBA folks are voting on. So it's not even just that we're going towards the same place. We're actually, in in a manner of speaking, we're rowing the same boat. And if either side stops rowing, we just go in circles. Yeah. So. Dennis, you know, we, we've talked about this as well. As we as we find synergies between these groups, yeah. we just get there faster. Yeah, there's 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 no doubt about it. And there's a number of organizations that, of course, we're uh, aligned with. Um, but we don't want them to stop doing what they're doing. And we'll keep doing what we are yeah. uh, uh, capable of doing, which is to educate Albertans on the rationale and merits of empowering the provincial government. Um, to restructure our relationship with Canada. So, so I think, I think it's uh, really, uh, you know, this discussion this evening, I think is, is really critically important for our members. Um, I'm not sure how many are on, um, but we've sent the email out um, uh, with the, um, with the resolutions, those proposed resolutions right. uh, to our members. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think it, right at this point, maybe it would be useful to see if anybody has any questions. Carrie, is there? Well, there yeah, there's there's been lots of questions and lots of comments. What I one thing I did want to specify too is uh, is the volunteer and the events, and that was something that I wanted to get to. But I mean, it's it we're talking about this in so many different ways. But basically, we need help. Uh, of course, doing what we want to do for APP. We need volunteers. We need people to get involved with the events, just like Take Back Alberta does, just like Taking Back Our Freedoms does, and, and any other uh, group like that. You can always go to the APP website, albertaprosperityproject.com. Just go under the contact and just put in your name and, and contact, uh, contact information, what a message is, I want to volunteer. You don't have to sign up as an APP member, although we would certainly want you to. Uh, in order to get involved as a volunteer, but this is this is at least the minimum that you could do. Just sign up. That's all it takes is just to sign up. Someone will get back to you and will tell you what's happening in your area. Uh, uh, certainly, I know we're going to be starting a whole bunch of, uh, of of chapter events as well as more of a provincial event coming into the new year. But definitely, the chapter events will be happening um, in October and November probably the beginning of December because we, we run into this all the time. As soon as you get into middle of December, people are busy for the holidays and, and uh, they have different priorities at that point. But we really have about three and a half months where we can actually do some of these events and to get people involved. So I wanted to bring that up. Questions for sure. Um, here's another idea for a webinar. Will you guys be doing a meeting? I'm assuming it means, will you guys be doing a, a webinar discussing the policy resolutions? That's an excellent idea. I think that would be great to go through because- It'd be a long one. It would be, <laughs> could be a little dry. Make sure you bring lots of water. Um, there, you know, there, there's questions that have come up in terms of, uh, I just want to make sure I have the right one opening up here. 
this would be the proposed policies this one here uh people were asking about the tabulators uh there was probably three or four people that asked about the tabulators and um uh, there's a resolution there's a resolution to that's exactly what i was going to call up here yeah let me just hide this uh hide this thing here um and yeah there there's there's stuff uh, there's policies in there uh, ban the use of election uh, tabulators reasons why what's what's going on with that excellent information to be reading and of course maybe maybe the people that have drafted this missed something and so that's another reason why you can get involved in and in, in giving back some some feedback what's going on with that right so um let me just see um there was uh, a couple of questions about um and again we're not we're not in charge of the agm so we're we're just saying that if app wants to have a voice you should uh, look at buying a ticket and get yourself there and uh, and vote on the policies that we're at least talking about. So people are asking, is there an online alternative for the AGM or is it only in-person voting? As far as I know, it's only in-person. Mm -hmm. right? That's right. It's and, only in-person. Yeah. And then, I just want to say hi, Marilyn. <laughs> hi, Marilyn. And uh, another question. I agree with the discount for youth, but what about seniors where there's a lot of wisdom and a lack of income? I agree too. There maybe seniors should be paying the $99 one too. Again, we're not organizing the AGM, so maybe bring that up with the UCP and see whether or not that uh, that can somehow change. One, one thing I do, or yeah, one thing contact I, your CA. Oh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Contact the uh, uh, UCP yeah. uh, CA in your area, and maybe, maybe they'll. I wouldn't say copy a ticket, but maybe they'll give you some. Tickets. Some of them do carry. Some of them do their own fundraising, so yeah. they can send their CA uh, constituency members yeah. to the AGM, and they will pay for tickets. So if you have concerns about the cost of the ticket or any of those questions, please contact your local constituency association office and uh, ask them those questions, and I'm sure they'll be willing to help you out. That's excellent. Yeah, that's, um, just to make one point uh, about that as well is yeah. that I understand. Uh, I've heard that um, uh, funds are being put together uh, to help defray um, costs for young people. So anybody 14 or greater who attends the AGM, my understanding is they can vote. 14 or greater. Wow. wow. Okay. That's yeah. awesome. Uh, a couple of questions like this. I would be interested in running for a UCP board position, just not sure how to make that happen. The, the way to make that happen, my understanding is to um, contact your UCP president, yeah. the president of the UCP in that area. That's right, yeah. Um, and uh, there's a process. Uh, I understand. I don't know. I have no idea what that process is. Never been involved. Yeah. Uh, but um, but they would be able to guide you in that if that's something that, that uh, Dubre would be interested in doing. Yeah. Same same. Kind of question: How do I find out about eligible positions that can be run for out of Red Deer? So maybe you don't want to be part of the UCP as a as a provincial level, but maybe you want to be part of uh, a CA. Now it could be any political party or or any any volunteer group. Like like we said, you know, volunteer for APP, volunteer for TBA. If that's uh, if that's what your mindset is, you, you make a good Gary, You make a good. You make a really good point. Even if you don't like the UCP, and let's say you're more aligned with TIP or you're more aligned with WIPA uh, or some other party, but you like those policies, 
Yeah. Well, you can be involved with an alternative party that yeah. supports those policies and still attend the UCPAGM and support them. That's right. As a matter of fact, we even had that conversation with the Independence Party saying, yeah. look, if, if you're adopting some of these policies, especially when it comes down to the kids and uh, SOGI and all that, that is definitely something that the Independence Party is interested in. So get your butts to the AGM and, uh, and, and help yeah. change that policy. Right. And right. if you are really, if you're really interested in those things, uh, you should actually check out taking back our freedoms as well, because one of the initiatives they're working on right now is getting control of school boards again and injecting some common sense um, and some decency back into the school system. Yeah. If you don't like what your kids are being taught in school, if you don't like the direction of the school system with the, the woke uh, idealistic agenda, yeah. get involved and get on the school board. You know, yeah. every time we take, we put more responsible, ethical, uh, morally minded people in these positions, we can start changing the world. And that's what this is all about. The eight, eight Alberta Prosperity Project has a plan for policy and the future of Alberta. These other groups are working in all these different areas to start taking back control of as many of these things that we have given up control over mm -hmm. uh, in, a, in a kind of a fast track manner. So. Yeah, Carrie, get get involved in, in whatever you can, but yeah. don't be afraid yeah. or ashamed to participate in policy discussions with the current legislators that could make them into law this spring. Just to make a point about that as well, uh, Chris and Carrie, um, I'm aware that um, uh, in some of the elections for um, uh, board members for uh, education, uh, some of them occur by acclamation. That's yeah, there's no contest. That's, that's, right. yeah. that's a level of apathy that's out there. But yeah. for people who have children who are impacted by terrible education uh, programs, these are the people that really need to get involved with school boards, yeah, um, library councils, municipal councils, um, you know, um, uh, school, college, and university councils, etc., where you can have an impact. Yeah. So, and CAs, of course, as well. So, um, yeah, overcoming apathy, Chris, you mentioned this earlier, is just, it, it's, uh, it's a big issue because a lot of people are just, you know, trying to make, make a life day to day and say to themselves, geez, I don't have time or I don't have the inclination or whatever. But if you don't, somebody from the NDP will. Yes, they will. Mm -hmm. um, a couple of questions have come up like about the 14-year-old. How can a 14-year-old vote at the AGM when they have to be 18 to vote in a provincial election? Because that's because it's, it's not a provincial election. Yeah, it's not a provincial. That's right. It's not a provincial election. Is that, is, is that a, a UCP policy? Is that a kind yes. of elections yeah. Alberta policy? No, it's UCP. It's UCP, and part of part of that uh, rationale is to get young people involved. Okay. Okay. So, uh, if the UCP is fourteen, I'm going to assume the NDP is like eight, because <laughs> they, they want more people voting and they want to bring them in uh, with their uh, NDP uh, socialist views, right? I don't know. I, I think know. I think from the NDP perspective, you know, an NDP parent can say, "Well, I'm voting for my." A six-month-old child because I know how, uh, yeah, she or he will vote in the future. So see, I didn't know that. So this, this, if you take anything away from tonight, just uh, it's fourteen-year-olds can vote uh, at the UCP AGM. So 
maybe bring your kid uh, for 99 bucks to get them in early. Yeah. And um, you know, that's, that, that brings up an interesting point. A hundred yeah. years ago at 14, you'd be running a farm. Yes. You'd be the man of the house. You'd be yeah. raising children like yeah. 14 years old. We, we look at that as just a child these days, but the reality is, you know, a 14 year old person has the cognitive ability to make these decisions and, and think, uh, critically about these issues if we allow them and encourage them to do so yeah. you know that's so it's it's not that uh that crazy that 14 year olds are are voting on polls yeah um how do you get more young people involved i was the youngest person and i'm in my late 20s out of 300 people that went to a screening of the churches under fire show mm -hmm. the rebel news one let me let me uh weigh in on that one yeah. I've, I've got two answers Number one, uh, parents who attend the UCP AGM or any AGM oftentimes have children. Bring them. That's one solution. Yeah. The other thing is, is that um, churches have congregations. Congre those, congre those, those people who are involved in congregations, many churches have youth groups. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, you know, there's one way right right there. I, my expectation is, is that, and I had a, I had a conversation with uh, an individual that meets with 18 pastors, 16 or 18 pastors, um, and shared this information uh, because for many people who attend church, um, they would like to see those kinds of uh, things implemented as well, which speak to integrity and honesty and values and, and, um, and, uh, and, 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 and so we'll see what happens. But, you know, I, I expect there'll be a number of people from various churches that will attend the UCP AGM as well. If I'm, if I'm correct that, uh, you know, these 18 pastors are going to stimulate their congregations. Yeah. And there, and someone had asked, "Have you approached any like-minded pastors?" So I think that's uh, that kind of solidifies that question. That yeah, I mean, it, it's difficult to get into every church in order to do that. And uh, but you know, well, let me let me be very, very specific. Yeah. So one of the individuals that I spoke with is a fellow by the name of Brandon Weagle, mm -hmm. and Brandon, uh, sorry, uh, Brandon Pringle, excuse me, Brandon Pringle, and Brandon has a master's in theology. The other person I spoke with is uh, uh, Dr. Rock Weigel, who has a PhD in theology. Mm -hmm. And he's the one that meets with 18 pastors every week. Yeah. And I presented to them before. Um, and he looked at those uh, 20 policy recommendations. And he said, yes, I will share this with my pastors and encourage them to get their congregations informed and their youth groups informed that this is something that they should support. Yeah, many churchgoers at the TBA meetings that uh, Pietro's saying. Um, Speaking of churchgoers, yes. Uh, did you gentlemen hear that uh, James Coates, Tim Stevens, uh, Ty Northcott, and others had their charges withdrawn today? I did hear that. I heard that actually last night, I think, is when Leighton Gray had posted that uh, yeah. as a Twitter feed. So that's absolutely amazing. And why, why was that, Chris? Why we're uh, well, it's because the CMOH, CMOH orders were all illegal. Yeah. Now, this comes with a dire warning as well. Yes, While yes. this may be a win in that, 
you know, the pastors and, and Ty and our friends that stood up for themselves aren't going to be fined into oblivion. This carries a very stern warning in that the judge actually in her decision basically ruled on the constitutional issues, even though it was inappropriate to do so. And she said the government was right. They were justified. They did everything properly, you know, on Dina Hinshaw's butt. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the gist of, it, gist of it was if we fought on constitutional basis we would lose because the courts are saying the government can do these things so if we don't get involved and and start having these policy discussions and get this legislation on the table to protect us in the future we will not be able to do we will not be able to stand up for ourselves um, now that that ruling's out there if they bring restrictions and lockdowns this fall and i say screw you guys and i pour coffees they will cart my ass off to jail and i will lose yeah. and so will you so I, I suggest that you just maybe get over whatever anger you have um, about things that happened in the past and start focusing on real tangible solutions mm. or, you know, whatevs. <laughs> yeah. um, Chris, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw you on the spot here. Shirley, who asks very interesting and uh, pertinent questions all the time, does say, if a 14-year-old can make these decisions, as you say, Chris, how can they not have the ability to decide on other issues, such as whether or not they take sex education and on and on those those sorts of things happening in schools? So, okay, so let me see. Uh, if a 14-year-old can make these decisions, as you say, how can they not have the ability to decide on other issues, such as... So, in other well, words, if they can be part of a political I, okay. party, why can't they choose their own sex? Why can't they... Uh, educate themselves on uh, sex education in schools, et cetera, et cetera. Well, in the, in the answer, I'm going, I'm going to challenge the question. So I, if we're going to expect pe people in the ages of that around 14 to be able to make these decisions, we have to bring them up in households, teaching them to think for themselves. We have to be, we have to teach them to be able to separate fact from fiction. We have to teach them to think critically. Now, if as a as a fourteen year old, I'm just thinking back um, on my own experience. I mean, that was oh man, man, that was a good twenty years ago, yeah. or something. <laughs> but at fourteen, I knew the difference between appropriate and inappropriate sex ed. I knew the difference between uh, right and wrong. I knew the difference between science and perversion. And it's because I was brought up in a home where my mom taught me right and wrong. She taught me how to think for myself and she instilled values and morals in me to which I hold dear to this day. And oftentimes, you know, set aside and then feel shame about it later, but that's, that's life. So I think the answer to that question is not so much, how can we expect kids to be able to do that, but how can we foster the, the values and the morals in our children that allow them to make good decisions in the future? Yeah. That's the answer. And and I was just going to expand on that too, because when you and I were 14, a mere 20 years ago, yeah, um, things were, things were different back then, right? We didn't have uh, tablets glued to our hands and uh, we didn't have to go through a few years of lockdown and uh, isolation away from friends. We used to go outside and play hide and go seek. We play kick the can. We, we'd ride our bikes around things without, without a helmet. Without a helmet, things have changed a lot, uh, and so I understand where where Shirley is coming from in in terms of that question. Yeah. And, and 
but without actually having gone into the classrooms, it's difficult to actually see what they're teaching that way. And, and I'm just going to go off on a li little bit of a tangent here. Of course, we, we know that I ran as the uh, as an MLA candidate in, in, uh, in Chestmere and Strathmore. Didn't win. But again, that was not my goal. My goal was to get in, uh, in front of anybody that would listen to me. So I got into retirement homes and I got into schools and I got to talk to the kids and the retirees and, you know, people that are 80s and 80 and 90 years old which is different now because now that we're done the election, if I went to a school or if I went to a retirement home and said, Hey, I want to, I want to do a presentation on the Alberta prosperity project. They'd probably say hit the bricks because it doesn't fit with their, their, their curriculum right now. And, and I think the only way that we could get that would be to get back into um, being part of the school, be, be a mm -hmm. school trustee or back in the school board. Or Absolutely. Like yeah. that, right. And, and, and I know when my daughters were in, in school, of course, I didn't sit on the board, but I was probably the only father, I guess, in, in the classroom. And, and I say that just because that was, that's just the truth. I had a schedule that I was able to, uh, to be somewhat flexible in my time. So I ended up going in there and most of the, the fathers ended up working. And, and when you go in and you're, and you're talking back then, you know, you had different, different things to talk about than you do now. And, and I think if we had more fathers in there, and again, as I say that out loud, the dynamic has totally changed. They may not allow dads in there because they're afraid that they're all perverts or something like that. That's the way the school system is going now. Right. Maybe I'd have to be dressed up in drag in order to go in and actually talk to the kids in, in the school. Now, I don't know, but it is it is important to get involved again and see what your school and uh, what the libraries in your area are, are all about and, and how to get involved and uh, and and see, you know, kind of where where you can go from there, I guess. Yeah, that's kind of all I wanted to say about that. Let, let me weigh in on that question, because I think it's a good question. Why? why at 14 can you vote on those resolutions yeah um now i wasn't part of the um development of the notion that we that the ucp wants 14 years of age children and older to be able to vote so i, I can speculate as to um some wisdom here in doing that number one is that um, up until age 14, uh, they're taught certain things. At an AGM, when these resolutions are presented and debated and discussed, they hear the pros and cons of those resolutions. Yeah. So it becomes educational for them as well. So they see how a conservative ideology uh, is developed uh, and promoted and protected. So I think there's value there from an educational perspective for younger people. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the age of consent is 18, okay, to serve in the army. That's right. The age is 18, presumably, um, to um, agree to surgical mutilation of your sexual organs if you want to change to another gender. Um, and this is a battle that's being fought right now. And in my opinion, um, yes, there is some degree of gender dysphoria, um, but those people who say 
that it's in the uh, arena of four or five percent of the population. The evidence, the hard data is 0.03 percent. It's not five percent. So so the, the, this the, two different things. I look at 14 year old uh, voting on these resolutions as an educational process. 18 year olds and older have a serious responsibility for themselves mm-hmm. and, and, and for society and, and to move on. Um, so I don't have any other uh, comment yeah. because none of us were involved with the development of that age criteria yeah. to be able to vote. It's hard to say too much more, but voting in an election when you, you have to be 18 to vote, that's very different than voting for a policy. Mm-hmm. Yes. You're voting, you're voting so, for a party, not a policy. Let's see. I, I agree. Let, let's get back to the, uh, to the main path of this conversation, which was um, getting involved in the UCP AGM, because that's what's coming up, and they are the government right now. They're passing laws, and get some policy on the table to change some things immediately. Um, what's what's wrong with that? Is there does anyone see anything wrong with making positive changes immediately? No, me neither. Great, that's awesome. Let's move on. <laughs> that's true. Yeah. Any other que- good questions, Carrie? That we can try and there. Answer? There was one I saw. Uh, people really want to see Carrie and drag. I saw that one. I was, I think I flagged that one. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I saw one uh, flashed by a little while ago. No pun intended flashed by Carrie. Anyway, uh, Stone Lee mentioned something about, uh, the WEF being in Alberta. So there's a, there's a narrative being circulated out there right now that, you know, the UCP government's no different from the NDP. None of them are different. And the only solution is a select group of individuals. Um, and if you don't support them, then you're not a Christian or not, you don't care about the province or you're corrupt, evil, whatever. Mm-hmm. That's all a load of malarkey, absolute malarkey. And if you can't see the difference between um, our current government and and the the NDP, I'm not even sure... I'm not even sure I could help you. Like there is a huge difference. Um, our premier has specifically said, now I'm not, I can't quote it, but I'm just off the top of my head. She said something like, why would we talk to or allow an organization in our province that brags about influencing our politicians? Mm-hmm. Like, no, our government, our current government does not believe that the WF should be infiltrating our province. No, they did not bring them here on purpose. This is a another case of, um, a story being spun by people who want you to believe that everybody but them are corrupt and evil. And if you support anyone but them, you are also corrupt and evil. I mean, I've been called a Judas. I've been called a, a shill, um, all sorts of things. Other friends of mine within the Alberta Prosperity Project have been, believe it or not, rebuked in the name of Christ for not supporting a specific political party. Like those, any of those things they are completely ridiculous and please start questioning the purpose behind those narratives um like i said our government's not perfect the party sure as hell isn't perfect the people aren't perfect um but they they are not all bad people it felt like it for quite some time because the majority of them were too cowardly to stand up and say something or do something 
one of whom uh, did stand up and say something was uh, our MLA for Central Peace Notley, Todd Lowen, uh, who I've considered a friend ever since then. But, you know, e even at one of the events I spoke at not, some, not too long ago, somebody told me not to talk about Todd Lowen because, you know, he's just not who we thought he was. And yes, he is. These are, these are good people who actually need people like us to create this parade so they can they can do the right thing. It's not easy to be a politician these days. They get attacked from every direction, just as as uh, you know as we do from time to time. And they really need our support to get good things done. If we don't stand up and show up and be there to support policies that are going on the table that they want to support, they won't win. They won't they won't be able to do it. Um, and that's 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 the, the the biggest thing I've learned about over the last three years was this was never the government's fault. It was always our fault for not showing up and being the loud voice that shows the government the path they have to take to get elected. It was always our fault. It's not because the whole government and everyone is corrupt or bad. It's because we were too damn lazy to show up and we let the lunatics run the asylum, the bureaucrats. Yeah. Let me just uh, clarify something here as well. There's no question that the federal government, the liberal NDP coalition, favors the uh, WEFUN agenda, mm -hmm. and they are promoting it. The premier of this province, however, has rebuked that. She has said we will not implement WEFUN Mm -hmm. agendas, a digital idea, central bank digital currency, and an ESG score. She's also said, why would we, why would we um, have the World Health Organization tell us how to run our healthcare system? We're not going to do that. Yeah. So, so she has shown a spine um, very different than what Jason Kenney demonstrated to us, um, because he had no spine. And uh, it's just so surprising um, in, a, in a very good way yeah. that, that, you know, we have somebody that ostensibly um, has expressed her interest in actually protecting our freedoms and rights and prosperity. Yeah. And yeah. We, have, we have a job to do, and that's to help promote that. Um, if, if, if the government senses that the public, that the Alberta public, wants a socialist Marxist agenda, you can be sure that the policies that they implement are going to go along that direction. Mm -hmm. But if the government understands that the electorate in this province wants greater freedom, greater prosperity, um, and a greater control of our affairs, unfettered by the federal government, um, then I think Daniel Smith as the premier and a number of those MLAs are going to be elected three or four times in the next elections. I would agree. And I, I think it's amazing that she even acknowledged that the WEF was doing some nefarious things. I mean, look at some of our other politicians. You ask them or you've see, we've seen them asked about the WEF and they're like, oh, we don't know what that is. What is that? Why would we care? Well, because their policies are infiltrating our policy and we're, we're giving away our democracy to unelected bureaucrats from overseas. That's why it's important. Our premier has said, no, that's not going to happen in this province. Now that doesn't mean, that's not to say that there are not still WEF partnered organizations working within the province. 
part of freedom is that our businesses and corporations and individuals are allowed to associate and partner with whoever they want for whatever policy they want. But when it comes to government and legislation and government policy, that's where we take the reins. We show up, we vote, and we say, no, sorry, we're not going to implement your uh, international health ID, which is on the table right now. I get emails from the WEF every week, sometimes too. And that's one of the latest initiatives is a international um, vaccination ID. Now, I'm personally happy that we have a premier in this province that is willing to stand up for Alberta sovereignty. And Alberta, when it comes to matters of health, is sovereign. That's our jurisdiction. And she will tell you, um, just as I would, that no outside organization is going to take jurisdiction over our matters of health because that's our job. Regions manage their health better than um, better than the the, the uh, decentralized model. So that that's that's all I can say about that. And we're farther ahead with that than many other provinces because I haven't heard many of the other premiers even discuss the topic of WEF interference in our policy. Yeah. Ours has. Yes. Yeah, I, I think it's important, too, that, uh, you know, a little bit of history, which we all lived through just a couple of years ago, we pretty much have to be riding Danielle and making her aware of what we want to have as a province. And and, and a good example, and, and everybody knows this, is when Jason Kenney was in charge, he said, vaccine passport. I don't even know what a vaccine passport is. Sounds yet, illegal, he said. And yet he changed the name of it to be the Restrictions Exemption Program. So exactly the same thing, but they just changed the name. My concern would be going forward is that we've got a health ID or we've got ESG scores that could be changed the name and be basically the exact same thing. And the only way that we can prevent that would be to get Danielle to say, no, we do not want anything even resembling that. That's right. That's right. Right. There's something like that uh, when it comes to digital currency. One of those policy resolutions is that cash will always be accepted. Yeah. Cash will always be accepted as a legitimate form of currency. Except now, to be fair, um, currency is a feder is federal jurisdiction. However, in the province, we can have provincial legislation that compel uh, provincial businesses to accept cash. So that is a step in the right direction. Yeah. 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 No, it's excellent. Yeah, for sure. Well, how are we doing on the questions, Carrie? Well, there's there's lots, there's actually quite a few questions. Uh, we're almost at an hour and a half. We'll just take a few more here. Um, uh, you know, again, people are asking, how do we get uh, members to access the policies? Well, we sent them out in the email. And I know somebody else had also asked the question, well, I didn't get them in my email. And that's because they actually weren't in the email itself. They were a link to the email. Yes, that was an attachment. Yeah. An attachment. So we're going to see if we can uh, post that. Uh, and, you know, likewise, I could probably even post it here or I'll post it in the comments. So, uh, you know, I always seem to go back through these questions at the end of the, uh, of the webinar and just answer whatever I can. And I usually try and do that for a day or two. And then, of course, we get busy doing other stuff. But um, Terry, maybe what we could, maybe what we could do is post the uh, the letter that went out from APC. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it has the link. If we could post that, then people can just uh, copy it and paste it. Uh, yeah. 
Well, and, and, and that's the thing too. So the, uh, if I do copy link here, then it's going to show up. Actually, I'm going to send it to everybody. So this is a really long, um, URL here, and I'm just going to call it the APP, uh, 20 policy resolutions. It's really UCP policy resolutions. It's not AP. Oh yeah, that's right. UCP 20 policy resolution. Let's try that one. then. So I just sent that uh, in the comments uh, on, on Facebook, on Twitter, on Rumble, all that sort of stuff. So that should come through. Maybe people can actually click on that now and, uh, and see what's, what's up with that. Um, yeah. So that was that, that was the question. How do we uh, access the policies? Um, here's another interesting question. What about our mayors who are a part of the WEF C40 city agenda? Can Premier Smith do something about that? That's a really, well, that's a good question. Um, maybe, maybe not, but the people in the municipality sure as hell can if they show up. Yeah. Right? Oh yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think I, I'm, I, I'm not sure either. That's a good question, but my suspicion is yes, there can be, uh, influence from the provincial government uh, with respect to uh, what the mayors, you know, are doing. So, for example, here's one that really bugs me. Um, in Edmonton, um, city council seems to be wanting the federal government to take over the river valley and create a federal park. Mm -hmm. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow, more more federal interference. That's that's totally what we need. I just thought of something, Dennis. There is a way that the provincial government could uh, stop some of these C40 cities, these 15-minute cities, uh, which at face value, living within 15 minutes of everything is a good thing. However, if there's districts and the opportunity with surveillance and AI and stuff to restrict people's movement in the name of climate emergency or something, that's, that's dangerous. What we could do is we could um, pass legislation prohibiting municipalities from preventing their inhabitants from uh, crossing boundaries in, this, in the cities. That's something we can do because when it comes to uh, municipal planning, that is governed uh, by provincial legislation. Like the municipalities have to abide by provincial legislation. So we can do that. We can fix some of those things. Yeah. Carrie, uh, is there, I'd like to see if there's any negative comments in there about what we're proposing. Uh, I'd like to see them. I throw throw, throw them at me if you if you find sure. them. So, but before we get to that, that gives me time to go back and look at that. Uh, who chooses which policies will be voted on at the AGM? Are the draft policies that you emailed out the ones that will be voted on at the AGM, or could they change? Um, I can only partially answer that. What I'm aware of is that there will be 30 or 40 policies that will be um, submitted. Um, for discussion and voting at the AGM. The expectation is that those 20 that are there uh, that have been circulated now, um, either in that form or in a modification of that form will be on the ballot for voting. Mm -hmm. that's, that's my understanding. But it's, it's up to the, uh, to the board uh, to um, uh, and I don't know who on the board uh, or if there's a separate um, policy and governance committee um, that vets the 
constituency association policies, um, policy recommendations, and um, and uh, determines which ones will go forward. What I understand is that many constituency associations come up with similar policies, and uh, they take the strongest one that that um, is like uh, you know the same policy that another constituency association would be promoting. Mm -hmm. so, uh, so it's a process that they go through, but it's a good question. And uh, what I understand is that those 20 um, will be voted on in the form that is there or with some minor modifications to them. So that'd be a great question for your local constituency association as well. If you have any questions about how this process works, um, even just pop into the, to the office one day and well, first you have to find out where it is. Uh, every constituency in the province has a constituency office in, in that writing. So you can go and ask these questions of them as well. And they'll answer better than we probably can. So one of the questions, it's a longer version, but it's basically it just says that if the policies are adopted and they're, you know, gone through legislation and one of those happens to be about no masking, no lockdown, is that true? Like we won't be locked down there, no more jabs and masks, despite what's happening in the rest of the world and, and the other provinces. Is that the way it would work? I would say, I said earlier that th that would occur for a short time. Yeah. I mean, if we, if we don't do something about our position within Confederation and get ourselves some negotiating leverage with the federal government, uh, eventually there will come a day where the federal government figures out a way to weasel their way into our provincial sovereign jurisdiction and take it away from us and then mandate these things. They've already done it with our travel by saying you had to uh, receive a medical, unwanted medical intervention, unwanted, potentially dangerous medical intervention to fly. You had to do that. They said you had to have a uh, unwanted medical intervention to cross the border back into your own country. I mean, the list goes on and on and on in areas of, of, of which they've, they've managed to interfere with us. So yes, it means that that wouldn't happen for a time, but the warning is if we don't continue our path towards freedom through independence, or at the very least, uh, uh, the negotiating power of the successful referendum, it will happen. Yeah. Well, this is the key thing, is that if there's legislation in place that prevents these things from occurring, which is part of the policy recommendations, then it's unlikely it's gonna happen. It had to be this provincial government that agreed to uh, lock us down. Remember, Kenny apologized after the first lockdown, yeah. mm -hmm. causing more harm than good, um, but he didn't learn from it. He did it again and again and again. Yeah. So, um, so I think the answer to Lori's questions is just what, what Chris says. Um, I don't think we'll be locked down um, during this administration, during this provincial government's administration. So Shirley, again, uh, I'm not sure if she actually watched the entire broadcast of this. If not, she can always go back and take a, take a look. Shirley says, I thought this was a nonpartisan page. It sounds to me like tonight it has become a UCP fan club. I can see how you might think that, Shirley. And, you know, at times I, I feel like, um, you know, should I be talking about the UCP because they're you know they traded us badly over the last few years but then i always come back to what what do i want to accomplish 
what do I want to see happen for this province? And there's my answer is I want this province to be free and prosperous. Right now, the UCP is the government who can pass legislation. So am I to sit on the sidelines and allow policy to be debated and passed without my voice being heard? Or do I participate in it and make sure that my vision of a free and prosperous Alberta uh, succeeds? And the answer is very simple. I, you don't have to be a fan of the UCP to vote on the policy. You can be, as Dennis said, a fan of the policy. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to allow your anger at events that happened in the past to affect your willingness to participate in solutions for the future, you really need to ask yourself what it actually is that you're after. Are you after vengeance and wrath uh, over people that did bad things? Or do you want to find solutions that are going to make the world a better place? I, for one, choose the latter rather than the former. To, to add to that, um, there are APP members on the boards, the constituency association boards of different parties, including TIP and WIPA and including UCP. And these policies have been drafted by people who are aligned uh, with APP. Um, they've looked at our policies. Uh, they like what we've recommended. Um, and although some of them are not exactly the same, we never put in our original policy document, for example, getting rid of uh, voting uh, counters. But that's a policy recommendation. We didn't have it in our policy, for example, that when a policy is passed at, the, at an AGM or at a policy conference, that it must be taken into account by the party in power. Um, so, th but these things do definitely align uh, with what uh, APP has been advocating. So yes, we are nonpartisan, but as Chris has said, and I've said, and Carrie has said many, many times, here is a circumstance in which the UCP is getting in front of the movement that we have created. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and if you are interested in those policies uh, being passed, which moves us to the, next, to the next stage, because it's not just the policies, by attending this AGM, you can vote for people that will be running um, that um, are, uh, people that support the APP and support TBA and support TBOF. In other words, they're freedom and prosperity or, uh, oriented individuals. Just like at the last AGM, nine members of that 17 member board were replaced by TBA and APP members. Yeah. So uh, by attending the UCP AGM, you have an opportunity not only to vote for policies that you like because what other party is going to be able to implement them? None. So this is the only opportunity to do it. And speaking of which, for people. Speaking of which, I have an observation I'd like to share with you. Uh, at times, we've discussed policy or had conversations with members of other political parties, including the Independence Party of Alberta. And those who, at the moment, are being the loudest in accusing the Alberta Prosperity Project, myself and and Dr. Modri of being advocates for the UCP, um, had absolutely nothing to say when we were discussing policy that was from another political party or when we were having discussions with uh, leadership of another political party. 
So if that's the case, um, why would the people who are accusing us of these, th these things now be okay with us speaking about one political party, but not the other? And the answer is simple. It's because the goal is not the same as ours. Our goal is free and prosperous Alberta in which these policies or policies like this is adopted and we don't go through the same things we are before. Those who are accusing us of these things, I would suggest they have a different agenda in mind. And this isn't the time or place to speak to it, but uh, the observation is there, it's out, and you can take it for what you what you will. Yeah, just a couple of other comments. APP is speaking up for people in Alberta, and we're certainly trying to, for sure. Um, and again, just just if you agree with APP or uh, get involved, and honestly, even if you didn't agree with APP, get involved on the other side then if that's if that's what it takes i mean it's easy to just be and banging away on your uh, your keyboard there's a couple of people that i know uh, i haven't blocked them or anything but it's it's they know who they are they're uh, they're willing to just sit there and criticize and yet not offer any solutions at least app has ideas for a solution and i think people need to get involved that way i agree so maybe with that, we will wrap it up. Um, I know there was a couple of other little comments that I wanted to uh, to, to post. And uh, there's just so many. Here's one. Awesome show. Thank you. There you go. It's always great to have uh, people appreciate what we do. You know, we, uh, we do this every Wednesday, Wednesday webinars, uh, 7 o'clock until whenever we get tired. Chris is usually tired all the time. <laughs> I'm never tired. You know, believe it or not, I worked 36 hours at the cafe in the last two the last days. Two days, yeah, I know that's absolutely ridiculous. So, um, and we do, we we you know we we have lives outside of this, and we try and get involved with uh, with other things. Um, I mean, even this past weekend, I ended up volunteering at uh, uh, the Alex Rodeo. Uh, so it's not just what you see for APP. It's not just for what we do in front of the camera. It's uh, just get involved, talk to people. Anytime you can get uh, in front of other people that maybe uh, you can have a conversation with, and you know, sometimes it's it's a very short conversation. I don't want to talk about that. End of story. But you will be amazed at how engaging people can be, especially after these last few years, and and opening their eyes, and they they really do want to talk about what they feel and what they've seen. So I encourage people to get involved, in no matter what. And definitely do that. So I think if if you, again you go you take anything away from this is get involved, become a volunteer, and um, and and hopefully you know we we can somehow find a way through this madness that's going on, and uh, especially that could be coming along in the fall if they're talking about lockdowns and stuff already. Uh, I don't even know what to say about that. I certainly won't be one of those that uh, that that's that abides by those particular rules and so hopefully you're not either but if you have to everybody has their own reasons and and for doing things and you know uh, i'm not going to judge you on that so can i make I, a comment I, I just let me just make one comment you. Yeah, go ahead, Dennis. Um, <laughs> you know i I've always said, you know, there's, uh, used to say this to my resident, you know, there's three kinds of people in this world. Those that make things happen, those that watch things happen, and those that wonder what the hell happened. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, when you think about APP, 
think about us from the perspective of we're constantly thinking, how can we strategically work with what we have uh, and be proactive to make things happen? And what we're saying to you this evening is we're trying to be proactive with our members and those who may be online who are not our members. And if you are, please become a member. But recognize that what we're trying to do here is strategically move us towards uh, freedom and prosperity and sovereignty for this province. Sovereignty, no matter how you want to define it, within Canada or without Canada, I don't care. Um, but uh, but it can't stay the say it can't stay the way it is. So if we do something that pushes people's minds a bit, like we're doing tonight, uh, suggesting that you go to the UCP AGM, I don't care if you support the UCP or not. But if you support those policies, don't just support them intellectually, support them physically and vote for them. Yeah. So so I'll I'll leave it at that. And Kerry was mentioning that uh, it's good to have conversations with people, which is why the Alberta Prosperity Project does its best to attend uh, different events, uh, community events, local events, whatever. One of which uh, last year, and I was at, was the Big Valley Jamboree in Camrose. We had a booth there. Uh, this year, you can also find some APP folks to chat with at the uh, second annual Bibles and Bowls Rodeo in Bashaw, Alberta on September 8th, 9th, and 10th. APP will have a, uh, a vendor booth there, courtesy of Chris and Carrie Productions. And uh, I'm sure that the folks who are manning the booth would be more than happy to discuss some of these ideas with you. So uh, you can also, you can find us there. I think Shame the, proper, the, plug. Term, the prop, proper term is peopling the booth, not manning the booth. <laughs> I thought Preston Manning was going to be there. <laughs> That's possible too. Uh, Cindy's, she says, my first webinar, I'm a new member, really enjoyed the session. I will try to attend many others. Very informative and encouraged. Thank you again so much. Um, we are on YouTube, Rumble, Facebook, and Twitter. You can just search for Alberta Prosperity Project and go back in time and see all the other webinars that we've done. Even going back through them in the last six months, they're all relative. They're all, uh, uh, they all have something to do with what's going on right now. Of course, some of that stuff is uh, very timely to when we did the webinar, but you know, it's, it's, I think it's, it's a great thing. Makes a perfect Christmas gift going forward to send a link to your loved one. Yes. The gift that keeps on talking. <laughs> uh, and with that, I think uh, we will wrap it up. Thank you again, Dennis and Chris for your time and uh, all your thank knowledge. Thank you, Carrie. Uh, always great. And of course, I want to thank everyone uh, for staying online and watching and listening and commenting and asking questions. We do weekly webinars every Wednesday, of course, with new speakers and new information as we go along. And um, I actually don't know who's on next week, but, uh, you know, things change because even even today's conversation, we didn't know, even know about until Monday, but it became so relevant that we wanted to make sure that people knew about the uh, the UCP AGM, the, uh, the, the dates for that are November 3rd and 4th. In order to vote, you actually have to be a current member uh, of the UCP by October 12th, and I think that's $10 for the year. So you have to sign up for that, and then you can sign up and get your event ticket. And the event ticket, the early bird, is uh, until September 15th. So if you haven't got it, yes, it'll be $199 plus $10. And then you'll be able to influence change in the province. And I think that's a, that's a relatively 
cheap amount of money in order to do that, uh, to implement change. And I know a lot of people are struggling right now. Um, and, and maybe something will happen in the next couple of weeks where, again, if you go back and you talk to your, your local CA, maybe they can help you out and get you a ticket or, uh, you know, the other thing is it's in Calgary. It's at the Gray Eagle Casino, uh, and conference center. And, um, that hotel usually fills up right away. There's usually not a lot of hotels around the area, but again, if you're from out of town, talk to the, uh, the, the CA and find out maybe you can be billeted or maybe, you know, there's transportation from your, your, your town, uh, or city in order to get there. Uh, but it's important that we all have a voice as APP members. So with that, I will say good night, everybody, and uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, August 23rd. It's now kind of dark outside, but that's just the way it is. Ah, summer is getting, getting over. Getting shorter. That's why I'm sitting inside. It was too chilly outside today. <laughs> what was that? Right. Pardon me. Hold on just a sec, Gary. What was that? Oh, no. Sorry. I was talking about the Bibles and Bulls Rodeo, September 8th, 9th, and 10th in Bashaw. Yeah. No, no, but I'm in a webinar. Okay, I'll yeah. be right there. Yeah, sorry about that. <laughs> oh, that's funny. And you can actually just get tickets at the com. And uh, again, shameless plug. So we'll hope to see you guys there. All right. Okay. With that, you guys have an amazing night, everybody. Day. And thanks for tuning in. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Kerry. Thanks, Dennis. All right. Bye -bye. Cheers.